Well, he is a constant companion, is he not? And what a wonderful God and Savior that Jesus is. Well, if you have your Bible this morning, I want to ask you to join me in the Old Testament today in the book of, uh, the book of Esther, uh, chapter number 4 this morning. Esther chapter 4. I have an old Schofield Bible. If you have one, that's page number 561 in the book of Esther, chapter number 4. And what I want to do in just a moment, I'd like to read some verses here and just share a thought with you from the Word of God that I hope the Lord will use and help us here as uh, we move into these days of great uncertainty. And i got some things I just want to say about that this morning. The book of Esther chapter 4. I want to remind you again this afternoon at 5.30 we'll be having our live stream once again. And uh, so I invite you to join us. Uh, maybe, maybe your church is... Uh, doesn't even have live stream right now. You're not having service, and so uh, we invite you to join us. If you can, I don't know how all this works, but I do know that you can, like, invite others uh, to, uh, to watch the service as well, however you do that. And so if you'd like to do that, we sure would uh, love to be able to help people right now in the time of the absence maybe of them maybe, uh, maybe having a church, a service they can attend, and they can join us here. And if you'd do that, I'd appreciate it. 5.30 this afternoon, once again, for our Sunday afternoon service, all right? The book of Esther, Esther chapter number four. If you're there, would you say amen? All right, I want you to, I want to say that I know you probably have never heard this man's name before uh, or maybe seen his face before, but you maybe have heard his name before. I, I asked him if they would to put a picture up on the screen, and maybe you can see that there at home. This man, his name is Rahm Emanuel. Now, let me, let me tell you who he is. He's a Democrat, and he served as a United States congressman from the state of Illinois from the year of 2003 until 2009. In 2009 and 2010, he served as White House Chief of Staff under the leadership, under the presidency of Barack Obama. In 2011, Rahm Emanuel was elected as the 55th mayor of the city of Chicago, and he was actually the mayor of Chicago up until last year. He kind of got involved in some scandals and stuff and decided not to run for, for re-election. But one of the things that Rahm Emanuel is most noted for is a statement that he made once. And I've asked him if they would to put this statement up on the screens this morning, and here is a statement that he made. Never let a serious crisis go to waste. Never let a serious crisis go to waste. Now, of course, he is speaking, he made that statement from a purely political position. And what he was saying was, anytime there's a serious crisis, use that serious crisis for your political advantage. He, he, he made that statement, you know, use this crisis as a way to gain an upper hand or to further, further your cause or promote uh, your cause. We've seen this recently in our own nation. Our president recently asked Congress to enact some, uh, to uh, pass some bills to help the people of our nation that are struggling right now. Well, Congress, they came up with a, a few bills and they stuffed it in political terminology with a lot of pork, a lot of pork. In other words, there were a lot of things put in that bill that didn't pertain to anything that was going on right now during this current crisis. In fact, one part of that bill, and this is the reason why our president vetoed the bill from Congress, uh, was that they wanted $1 billion set aside for a slush fund for abortion. That's what Rahm uh, Emanuel was saying. Don't ever let a, a uh, serious crisis 
go to waste. Further your cause. Uh, promote yourself. Try to gain an upper hand. Well, this morning, I don't want to preach that thought from a political standpoint, but I'd like to use that from a message this morning. Never let a serious crisis go to waste. Now, I'm not talking about politically. I'm talking about spiritually. As you well know right now, without doubt, you and I are, and our nation is in a very serious crisis, one that seems to become more serious day by day, if not hour by hour. Our economy has been tanked. Daily life, as you and I know it, has been interrupted. Grocery store shelves are empty. Banks, businesses, restaurants are closing. People are out of jobs. Hospitals are slammed plumb full. They're not even sure if they've got enough medical equipment to take care of the burden of the health care system right now. There's a panic in America like we've never seen before. And people are starting to wonder what in the world is next. You can't see this there in your uh, computer this morning, but I stand this morning in an almost empty church while hundreds of thousands of people are watching a, com a computer screen for their Sunday morning worship service in the safety of their own homes. I would say for me to say that we're in a crisis in America would be an understatement. But what I'm trying to encourage us to do this morning is this. Let's not let this serious crisis go to waste. Who knows, this may be the door that God is opening for our nation to have a revival. This may be God's way of saying to America, hey, it's time to wake up. This may be God's way of saying to us, hey, you need me. It may be God's way of saying to us today, I'm here where I've always been. Look to me for your help and for your strength. Never let a, spirit, a serious crisis go to waste. Well, I had you to open your Bible this morning to the book of Esther, chapter number 4, and the reason I did that is because the nation of Israel, like our nation, is in a very, very serious crisis. As the time of this text this morning, the entire nation of Israel, as of this text this morning, is, is in danger of being destroyed. A wicked man by the name of Haman, who hates the people of God, has been given permission by the king to kill all the Jews located in the land of Persia. I mean, it is a dark night in the nation of Israel. I mean, Persian law has already been enacted, and Persian law was irreversible. I mean, all the nation of Israel is as good as dead. You talk about a serious crisis. I mean, they've got just a few months to live, and here they are now. Their death warrant has been signed. Mordecai, who was the great leader of the Jewish people and a picture of, a, of our Savior at the beginning of chapter 4, has found out what is going on in the land of Persia. In verse number 1 of this chapter, Mordecai is weeping because of the, of the, the impending death of the people of God. He's weeping. His heart is broke over this crisis that his nation is, uh, it, it finds, himself, finds itself in. So what does he do? Well, he sends to, to Esther. Esther is married to the king. And in essence, he says to Esther, our nation is in a mess. We're all about to die. Esther, you're our only hope. You're our link to the king. 
Our lives, Esther, are in your hands. And then here's what is said. Look at chapter 4 and verse 14, and here's what it says. For if thou, Mordecai speaking to Esther, for if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their, uh, their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And then he says this, Esther, who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. So here's what she says back to Mordecai. Go, gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, uh, three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. So will I go into the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. Mordecai was writing to Esther, telling her, Man, this is the time. You've been sent to the kingdom for such a time as this. And Esther says, Okay, I'll do what needs to be do done, and if I perish, I perish. I got to thinking about all of this situation that we find here in Esther chapter 4, and I thought about how it, how it kind of relates to this situation that we find ourselves in this morning. Let's don't let this serious crisis go to a waste. Man, let's step up. Let's make our lives be counted for God like never, ever before. As I see it right now in this serious crisis that we're in, according to verse 16, if you'll look at verse 16, there are three things that God's people ought to be doing right now in the time of this serious crisis. I want you to join me in verse 16, and let me, if I may, just briefly this morning, give you three things that all of God's people ought to be doing for such a time as this. First of all, if you look at verse 16, I thought about this. These days, this serious crisis is a time for dedication. It is a time for dedication. Here's what she said at the end of verse 16. She said, if I perish, I perish. She said, Mordecai, by the way, Mordecai was her uncle. She said, Uncle Mordecai, I'll go. And if I perish, I perish. Now, at first, uh, Esther is reluctant to do so because on the basis of Persian law that if you tried to go into the presence of the king and the king had not bid you into his presence, you were killed. That was Persian law. In fact, she says back up in verse number, one of these verses here in, in a pre, verse number 11, she said, uh, Mordecai, I want you to know I ain't even seen the king in 30 days. I hadn't been, to, I hadn't been before the king for the last 30 days. And, and, and Mordecai, you know if I go in there, and he doesn't have the golden scepter stretched in my direction, I'll be killed. If he's not inviting me into his presence, I will, be, I will face an instant death. By the way, can I stop and say this? Aren't you glad that our king always has the golden scepter stretched in our direction? You and I never have to worry about whether our king wants us into his presence. We don't have to stand out in the court and wait on that. Thank God because of the finished work of Calvary, you and I are always invited into the very presence of our king. He always has the golden scepter stretched forth in our direction. Mordecai said, you have got to go. You have got to plead our case. You are our only hope. And finally, after much reluctance, uh, Esther says, okay, I'll go, and if I perish, I perish. Can I put that in North Carolina language? 
Here's what she's saying. She's saying, I'm going to do this if it kills me. That's dedication. She didn't say, well, let me think about it for a while and, and uh, you know, if I mull it over my mind just a little bit, I, I, may, I may go. She didn't say, let me seek the counsel of the other maidens. She didn't say, let me seek counsel from the other members of the court. No, sir. She said, I understand the seriousness of this crisis. I understand what's up for grabs. Our families, our wives, our children, our little ones, all of this is up for grabs. And she said, I'll go, and if it means I have to die, I'll just die. I'll give my life if it means I can save my people. Hey, can I say that's dedication? You know, now is the time like never before for God's people to dedicate themselves afresh and anew to Him. You know, maybe this is the time that is going to separate the men from the boys. Maybe this is the time that's going to separate the ladies from the girls. Hey, we're not able to meet together right now except for some, uh, through some com com computer screen. Nobody's going to be calling you because you missed Sunday school. There's not much accountability going on or response, uh, responsibility in the lives of God's people. Nobody's going to check behind you. We don't have a way to check behind you to make sure you're watching the services. But I want to challenge you this morning. Man, now's not the time for you to put your Christian life in autopilot. Now's not the time for you just to ride this thing out. No, sir, if there's ever been a time we ought to dedicate ourselves for God, it ought to be in such a crisis as this. You know, one of the questions, uh, you know, I talk to preachers a lot during the week. Preachers call, I call preachers, and, and uh, we talk a lot about what's going on right now. But one of the great questions, I think, that is on the mind of every, every preacher, every pastor in America is, what's going to happen when all this is over? How many people are we going to lose over this two, three, four, eight week, three months, however long it's going to go on? How many people are going to just fall away from God during this time period. Oh, I know, I get it right now. I don't mean this in, in a sarcastic way, but it's almost a little bit exciting right now. You know, we get to watch church from home right now. Probably some of you sitting there in your pajamas this morning with a bowl of Captain Crunch, and you're eating your cereal while you're watching the service. It's almost a little bit exciting right now. But can I tell you something? The excitement's going to wear off. It ain't going to take but just a few weeks, man, and all that's going to be set aside. And, and I'm telling you, I wonder how many is going to be watching if it goes two months or three months. How many of us are going to be dedicated enough that when all this is over, and by the way, there'll come a day when it'll all be over again. Aren't you glad for that? There'll come a day when the sun's going to shine again. There'll come a day when the doors of God's house will be opened back up again. But will you be here? I'm just saying right now, if you just kind of just go in the closet... I'm saying right now, if you just kind of slip into autopilot mode and you go to sleep or maybe even just quit on God, I'm telling you, you won't be here when all this is over. Right, now is the time for dedication. Now is not the time to retreat. Now is not the time to go into the closet. Now is the time that we say with Esther, I'll do it. Whatever it takes, I'll do it. And if it kills me, it's just going to have to kill me. Can I say this this morning? You can't get to church right now, and I get that. But can I ask you, are you dedicated enough to keep watching these services online? Are you dedicated enough to keep on giving your tithe and offering to the house of God? Are you dedicated enough to stay in contact with all that's going on? Are you dedicated enough to keep living right? 
Are you dedicated enough to keep on standing for Jesus? I'm telling you, this on and off again stuff, this up and down, in and out, cold and hot stuff, is killing us. Maybe one of the reasons we're in the mess that we're in today is because of the lackadaisical, take-it-or-leave-it attitude of God's people. I'm here to tell you, it's time for dedication in the lives of God's people. Our attitude ought to be that of Esther. I'll do what I have to do even if it kills me. Now is the time of dedication. Too many of us have been given God our leftovers. Too many of us plan ball games and vacations and hobbies and holidays around church when we ought to be planning church around ball games and vacations and hobbies and holidays. Maybe God up in heaven, and I'm not God, and I'm not trying to put words into God's mouth, but maybe God is just saying, man, let's just see who is real. Let's just see who does want this. Let's just see who's going to stay dedicated in a day and an age when it would be easy to get cold on God. It'd be easy to quit reading our Bible. It'd be, it'd be easy to quit worshiping and quit serving God. Now is the time that that would be so easy. Think about that verse in Matthew 24 where Jesus said that iniquity shall abound and the love of many shall wax cold. Right now is the time when it would be easy just to become careless in your walk with God. But if there's ever, ever, ever been a day that we ought to stay dedicated to God, it ought to be in the time of this serious crisis. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. Stay close to God. Hey, keep on. By the way, I'm encouraged and thank you. I've been getting so many texts recently from people and other preachers and so forth saying, hey, we're praying for you. Hey, stick in there. Don't get, I, I get that. I send those things out as well. But I'm just trying to say now is the time for dedication. Boy, if I could speak to those of you this morning there in your own personal home, don't give up on the family altar. Hey, don't quit teaching your kids what's right. Don't quit reading the Bible. Don't quit praying. Don't quit living right. Hey, just don't throw caution to the wind. Just don't set all this aside and say, well, we can't go for eight weeks now. Let's just, let's just, let's just, let's just put all this aside. This is the time for dedication. Dedication. But I see a second thing in verse 16. Not only is this the time for dedication, but can I say number two, during this time of this serious crisis, it's the time for supplication. Notice what she said in verse 16. She said, all right, in verse 16, I'm going to go. And if I perish, okay, I'll perish. But she said, before I go, here's what I think we ought to do. Look at verse 16. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan. And then she said, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to fast and pray about this. Look at verse 16. Fast ye for me, neither eat nor drink three days nor night, and I also and my maidens will fast like us, and so will I go into the king. You know what she said? Not only am I dedicating myself to do what needs to be done, but she said, I tell you what we need to do. We, very, we, we really need to pray at such a time as this. We need to give ourselves to fasting and prayer. She's saying this is such a serious crisis the entire life and future of our nation is at stake. Our wives and our children and our little ones. And what she's saying is this. Somebody's got to go get God. Somebody's got to call on God. Somebody's got to talk to God. Somebody's got to ask God for help. 
And may I just say in like manner, in this crisis that we're in, let's don't waste it. Man, don't quit praying. Let's don't waste it. Now is the time for supplication. Now is the time to pray. Now is the time not to let go. Now is not the time to get silent. Somebody has got to go get God. Man, our families are at stake here. My, and some of y'all have grandchildren, but your precious grandchildren are at stake. Our families are at stake. Our nation is at stake. Our churches, our churches uh, is at stake. And now, like never before, man, we've got to have God. We've got to have God's help. Now is the time to fast and pray and seek God's help. We need Him like never before. I've told you this before, but I heard about this revival meeting that was getting ready to start one night. and The service was getting ready to start. The song leader had already got up and had everybody to stand up, but the preacher who was preaching the revival was nowhere to be found in the church. So the preacher's wife, she got to looking around, didn't see the preacher, and she said to her daughter that was sitting on the pew beside of her, she said, hey, why don't you go look and see if you can find the preacher? So her daughter slid out of the pew and went back through the back and started opening doors and closing doors looking for the evangelist that was there to preach the, the revival meeting. And finally, in the very back of the church, she saw under the, the, the bottom of a door there was a light shining. So she uh, walked up to the door and she listened. She heard somebody talking. And the preacher was on the inside of that classroom and he was just begging God to help him. He was begging God, and he was saying something like this, Oh, God, I can't do this without you. Oh, Lord, I've got to have you for this time. Lord, please be with me. Please, Lord, I'm not about to go by myself. And so the little girl just shut the door and went back out and slid in the pew beside her mama, and her mama said, Did you find him? She said, Yeah. She said, He'll be out in a minute, and that other going to come with him. And can I just say, if there's ever been a day in an age when we need that other one to be with us, it's now. If there's ever been a time that God's people, and I know you can't get to the church right now and get on the altar. I get it. But boy, I tell you, I'd encourage you to make an altar out of a stump somewhere. I'd encourage you to make an altar somewhere in your home and call on God and pray and, and, and talk to God about this. I mean, we need God's protection as we've never needed it before. Because in this crisis, don't let it go to waste. Now is a time to pray. So it's a time of dedication. Don't slide away. Don't slip away. Don't fall away now. Please don't. Hey, we're going to need you when all this is over. We're going to need you back and sit in these empty chairs. And we're going to need you teachers back to teach your classes. And man, we're going to need you choir members back in this choir again. And, and if, you, if you just give up on God and just fall out now, what are we going to do when this is over? Now is a time of dedication like never before. And now is the time of supplication. Hey, Esther said, hey, Mordecai, get them all together. Tell them to fast and pray for me. But just don't, don't, don't think you're going to do that by yourself. I'm going to get my maids together. We're going to fast and pray about this as well because God has got to help us. What does the Bible say? Our help cometh from the Lord. So it's a time of dedication. It's a time of supplication. 
But I want you to look again at verse 16. There's a third thing that we find in this text as well. And can I close by saying this? It's a time, in this time of spiritual crisis, special crisis, don't waste it. It's a time for illumination. Illumination. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, I think everybody in here and most of you sitting there by the computer this morning, you will agree with me when I say, boy, this was a, this was a dark time for the nation of Israel. I think I could say it like this and, and do the Scripture no wrong that it was a midnight for God's people. Miss Lisa a moment ago mentioned Brother J.T. Lyons, but I remember Brother J.T. standing right here in this pulpit and talk about some of those nights that they had over in Africa. And he would say something to this effect, it was as dark as a thousand midnights. And can I tell you something? In the life of the nation of Israel, in our text, it was as dark as a thousand midnights. Their future was, un was unsure. Their families were up for state, uh, uh, up for grabs. I mean, their very livelihood was 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 uh, was in, in peril. It was a very very dark time. Their hope was lost. But you know something? If you look at verse sixteen, in that dark in that dark hour, God had an Esther. You say, preacher. We get that big deal. No, 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 listen to me. God had an Esther for that time. Now, that may not mean much to you, but can I tell you this? The name Esther means this. It means star. So in that very black midnight, in the blackness of that, uh, of that time, God had a star. God, let me say it like this, God had a light. Now, I know these are dark days. I know it's as black as midnight in America. You know what's so hard for me to get used to is everything is shut down, especially at church, and it's so pretty outside. 70, 80 degrees going on right now. It's like, to me, it's almost like a snow day. But there ain't no snow. I mean, it's just, it's just it's unusual times. I'm struggling. I don't know if y'all can tell this or not, but it's hard and I love y'all and thank y'all for being here, but it's hard to preach to chairs. I'm struggling with all that, but can I tell you something? As dark as it is, you know what God needs? God needs some esters. God needs some stars right now. God needs some lights right now to illuminate the darkness of this crisis. I got to thinking about this, and I, I'm going to wrap this up. I got to thinking about what stars do. I mean, this is crazy. It's simple. But if you look at verse 16, verse 15, Esther, the star, she's going to go and talk to the king. She's going to try in the blackness of this situation. She's going to try to turn this situation around. And I just got to thinking about what stars do. First of all, I thought about this. Stars shine in the night. Stars brighten the night. You ever been outside on a, especially on a cold winter night uh, when all the fog and the atmosphere is very clear and look up, maybe there's no moon, but you ever thought about them stars, how they just look like you could, they're so big, they're just so bright, you could just reach up and, and they light up the night. Can I tell you what we ought to be doing right now? I know it's dark. I know it's a, it's a midnight hour, but I tell you what this world needs right now, it needs some lights to shine. 
What did Jesus say? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. Maybe I could say it like this. Stars do their best at night. Boy, I know in your neighborhood, my neighborhood, where we live at, the things, our daily lives have been turned upside down. I can't even go. My life every morning is go to the hospital. I can't even go to the hospital right, right now. Rest homes are shut down. My life's turned. I don't even know what to do with myself anymore in the morning time. My life's been turned upside down. But can I tell you something? Boy, now's the time for God's people to shine, to light up. The night, stars shine in the night. What about this? Stars say there's a God. <laughs> you remember that in Psalms 19 where the Scripture says this? The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth its handiwork. You know what stars do? Stars are out there as God's eternal testimony that there is a divine creator behind creation. You know what those stars say? This just didn't happen. We just didn't just... This, there just wasn't a big explosion and boom, presto, abracadabra, all this happened. Those stars stand there as an eternal testimony to the fact that there is a God behind all of this. And can I just say this morning, in this dark hour, may God help, help us to be some Esthers to say, oh yeah, we'll, bright, we'll light up the night, but we want to tell this world in the midst of all this, there's a God up yonder somewhere. Stars testify. Stars say that there is a God. Then can I say this? Stars are a God for others. You know, we, we don't have this much anymore, but back in, in years, centuries gone by, we didn't have, we didn't have uh, radars and we didn't have stuff like navigation for pilots, uh, for um, captains to pilot those ships. You know what they sailed by? They sailed by the stars. I mean, that's all they had. I mean, they would chart their course by the stars. They knew they were going in this direction by that star. They knew where the sun rose, the sunset. By the way, the sun's just a big old star. I mean, man, they charted. They, they guided themselves by the stars. From one shore to the, another, to, the, to the other shore, the stars led the way. You know, let me tell you what we need to be doing in these days of this, this special crisis. Oh, yeah, we need to brighten up the night and we need to declare that there is a God, but we need to be a God for others right now. We need to be letting this world know as a star there's a God. Let's brighten up our surroundings, but hey, we need to say, hey, 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 come on, heaven's that way. Hey, salvation's that way. Glory is that way. Hey, we need to be navigating people, telling people. I got it in my mind. People are asking a lot of questions right now. People that you work with, people that I'm, that I'm around, they're saying, what's, what's going to happen next? People are panicky. They're, they're fearful. They don't know what's coming down the pipe. And by the way, I don't know either, but I know one thing. That way is heaven. That way is glory. That way is the way of salvation. And we may not make it through this. I don't know, but I know one thing. For God's people, when we leave this world, we're going to a better world. It's that way. Man, we need to be stars guiding as a guide for others. Can I say this? I'm almost done, but stars reflect the light of the sun. Stars have no ability to shine themselves. All they do is just reflect. When you see a star, we say, boy, the stars sure are shining tonight. 
And I know what we mean, but really, that's not the case. They're just reflecting the light of the sun. Man, let's do our best in these dark days. Let's be an Esther. Let's, let's reflect the light of the S-O-N, Son of God. And then can I close by saying this? You know what stars are really saying? Stars, uh, the little stars are telling us that the big star is about to come. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, we go out at night and the stars are out there, but they're just there till the big star comes up. I'm talking about the sun, S-U-N. And when the big star comes up, the little stars fade out of view. Can I tell you that that's our job in these last days? Hey, we're just to shine because we know the big star. The S-O-N's getting ready to come up. And when he comes up, we just fade out of view. Because can I tell you something? It's all about him. It's all about him. So what I'm trying to say is, man, now's not the time for you and me to quit. Now's not the time for us just to take it easy. If there's ever been a time, we've got to be dedicated. If I perish, I perish. If it kills me, I'm going to do it. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to do my best to honor Him. I'm going to pray and I'm going to seek His face. But I'm going to do my best to be a star and I'm going to try to light up. I'm going to illuminate that which is around me. Do my best to tell others that's the way. And when the big star comes out, I just want to fade out of view. Amen? What a crisis we're in. But don't let, I hate to use the words of Rahm Emanuel, but can I just say, never let a special crisis go to waste. If there's ever been a time for us to stand, it's now. Let's bow our heads for prayer.